Hello and welcome. My name is Rashim Mogha and I'm your host for this Empowered Women of the World podcast. This podcast is for you. It is for me and it is for all women who want to take charge of their career and happiness. In this weekly podcast we'll talk about technology, we'll talk about leadership and we'll talk about mindfulness. We'll talk about how you can discover, visualize and actualize your success whatever that means to you. We will also talk about our common opponent the conscious and unconscious bias which we deal with on a daily basis and we'll share ways to navigate work politics at the end of each podcast i will share with you a tip or a resource that you can use to be successful it's going to be a fun ride so hop on and join me on this journey every week i hope you and your families are staying safe by practicing social distancing we are in unprecedented times and um, i'm here in california where we have shelter in place to help contain the covid-19 pandemic um so maintain social distancing be safe before we start today's podcast i also wanted to remind you about our upcoming eval 2020 virtual summit on april 25th it is global virtual and empowering summit that you can attend from anywhere in the world so be here with us on 25th of april in your pajamas with a cup of coffee and we can talk about leadership technology and entrepreneurship with leaders from companies like google and roku it's going to be an action packed day so make sure that you get your tickets asap today i'm excited to welcome francisca hawk to the show Francisca is a speaker and engineering leader and a diversity evangelist. Francisca lives with a chronic illness called factor V resistance and her talks focus on how to bring awareness across chronic illnesses at workplace. Hi Francisca, welcome to the show. Hi Rashim, it's great to be here. So Francisca, I haven't really heard about um about uh, this chronic illness that you have factor v resistance and i hadn't uh, heard about it until i spoke to you what is fvr and how has your work life changed because of that so it's a factor 5 resistance the v stands for the roman letter 5 actually and that is uh, the description for a genetic disorder that basically affects the fifth blood clotting factor in your blood so when we look at blood clotting there are 13 factors in the blood that control it and the enzyme that uh, controls it in my body is basically out of order and that leads to a whole host of challenges first of all the blood is too thick so you have a tendency to have uh, blood clots and thrombosis for example circulation in general is bad there is low blood pressure you're also prone to get heart attacks or strokes for example so really really severe issues right there and there are also a couple of other things that are affected because factor 5 resistance has to do with blood it affects the whole body in essence and one of the things that's really interesting to note about it is that it's not well we so resistant of the caucasian population has factor 5 resistance and that only a fraction of those people show um symptoms of any shape and um the symptom spectrum is also very wide so there are people that are not affected by it at all and just live very average and normal lives 
And then there are people that have a very that are on the high end of the um, symptom spectrum, which uh, um, is the case with me. So I have a high symptom spectrum. Um, I am affected in many ways by factor five resistance. And as I said, it's a genetic disorder, so there is no cure for it. It's basically in your DNA. And to be able to cure it, you would have to actually change your DNA. Wow, I uh, did not realize that. So, but in spite of factor V resistance, Francisca, you have had a flourishing career at Google and now as an engineering lead. Uh, talk to me a little bit about what your advice is to people who have chronic illnesses and what are some of the best practices that you have identified living with chronic illnesses and still being a, um, you know, um, still being a, a successful uh, leader? So the first advice that I always give people that live with a chronic illness is to actually be selfish a little bit. We have a society, obviously, where we all want to support each other and be there for each other. When you live with a chronic illness, you oftentimes have specific needs. You have special needs that maybe another person doesn't have. And it's always good to be able uh, to be vocal about this, to be able to express that and also to have the, let's say, the uh, environment to be able to be open about it even. So that is that is essential because once you actually communicate what your needs are, it will change dramatically for you. You will have a, an environment, you will also create an environment for yourself where um, there is a lot of support from your colleagues, where you can thrive, where you are enabled to succeed. And um, for me, starting out, obviously, I, I'm, I would say I have, I have a, uh, I'm high on the symptom spectrum, but I'm still fairly functioning in terms of chronic illness. So um, I do have, for example, arthrosis in my hip, which um, on some days it hurts and it's walking stairs is really difficult for me. But on other days, I'm actually quite fine and I can do things, for example, like dance. And um, that in itself uh, is a very good thing. So I'm still, um, let's say, physically able to do a lot of things. Other people might not be, uh, or they might have a higher proportion of bad days. And just to uh, be able to tell your employer about that, uh, and also from the employer side, obviously, to have that understanding and uh, the willingness uh, to provide uh, the right environment for that person, that is crucial. And um, once you have that, and once you can communicate that, you, your colleagues can take that into consideration as well, right? So we are talking about um, very, let's say, um, simple things, or simple in the sense of uh, established things like uh, a barrier-free workplace. So barrier-free in essence in, at the workplace means that you have uh, elevators, for example, so that people don't have to walk stairs. You have uh, maybe a quiet room where you can withdraw and you can meditate or you can even, if you have that situation, change a dressing or give yourself a shot, uh, for example. So those are some of the measures that enable barrier-free um, uh, enable barrier-free environment. Also, when we look at, for example, web accessibility, that is always a consideration so that you have uh, the right tools, maybe lenses, maybe a screen reader um, that you can actually read uh, the applications that you're using when you are blind um, or um, there are other uh, conditions, obviously hard of hearing and so forth. So barrier free is, is a collection of things that uh, employers can do to make their employees uh, um, 
functioning uh, to enable them and uh, to make them comfortable at the end of the day. But when I look at uh, the, the, the wide spectrum of chronic illnesses and disabilities that we have out there, there's actually much, much more that you can do. And this is um, a myriad of things which uh, affects, for example, food. So if you are an employer who provides food, then it's really good to have um, options where people know where the, which kind of allergens the food contains or um, that they have the option to also mix things for themselves. So if you have a food intolerance, you can take that into consideration. So that's, for example, one of the things that, that employers can look at. Also, um, generally um, uh, lights is, is a consideration how strong are lights for example because there are people that could get um, epilepsy or, or migraines from that um, also having the option to take breaks for example and to have the the understanding from your colleagues that's okay to take breaks because you might need them um, and then finally also uh, activities when we think about team events and a lot of team events are obviously very uh, physically challenging for some people right if you go to laser tag for example so having activities that can be done by all that are inclusive that um, have or maybe have alternative uh, options for activities those are some of the things that employers can do to make sure that um, this is an inclusive environment but the most important aspect is actually uh, mindset and is language how do i speak to people how do i announce things how do i phrase my messaging and if i make sure that i can include people there as well people of all kinds of backgrounds and and of all kinds of uh, stages and spectrums then that is also very a very good thing that employers can do that's a great extensive list uh, but um, in my experience francisca as, as i've spoken to people um, who who have chronic illnesses they sometimes they have that perception or they shy away from letting their employers know about these chronic illnesses because they think that they will there will be some conscious or unconscious bias that they will be dealing with if they do that. What has been your experience around it? You are absolutely right about that. That is something that comes up in a lot of discussions that I have with people that also have chronic illnesses and disabilities. And there's a lot of fear of repercussions, especially when it comes to your career, right? Um, people fear that they will be seen as less functioning or less performing. And also we are looking at a shift in mindset here. It's very important to first of all have a, an open culture, a, a, also a feedback culture, an appreciation culture, and also to create an environment where any kind of diversity, be that in the sense of chronic illnesses or disabilities or your background or sexuality or whatnot, where that is, let's say, the normal standard, right? You have a diverse environment. And what that does automatically is that people are used to interacting with people of various backgrounds and they are accepting of things that might not be uh, in maybe let's say in their uh, experience right uh, we often look at uh, what has been our own experience and how can i understand the other person better and that's also where you can foster empathy a lot once you uh, establish a culture where thinking about others and um, and uh, incorporating uh, th that into uh, your let's say HR practices and, and all that that can really help 
And again, I encourage people at this point to be a bit selfish and also to be bold and courageous and to speak out. We are, um, and you will know that also, we, we, we work in tech and tech is a very good environment already because we have a very diverse uh, sphere of people working in that. And also we have the opportunity um, to have psychological safety in a lot of uh, companies and a lot of settings and so forth. So that is basically essential. Contribute both from the side of the employer and also from the side of the employee who is courageous in, in explaining their needs and explaining what they live with. Maybe even starting with a very small circle and then that expands bit by bit. And after a while it becomes the normal thing to have someone on the team who has a chronic illness or disability and the acceptance rate rises. There's much more basically that you can do at this point, but these are some of the general things that I would look into. And I'm so glad you mentioned about psychological safety because that's that's the key element while, you know, making organizations and making the work environment barrier free has a lot of logistic semantics to it. Um, psychological safety is what people managers can do right away to, to make everybody um, feel welcomed in the team and give everybody that sense of uh, belongingness in a team. Um, Francisca, you are now a people manager. What best practices do you follow to make sure that people within your team who have chronic illnesses are comfortable in the team setup and can perform optimally? And then also so, to the flip side, I have another question for you. How did you set expectations with your team and how did you open up about your chronic illnesses to your team? That's also that's an interesting question uh, there um, because uh, I started recently as a people manager and basically went through the whole process. So I might start with that actually. And um, for me, uh, I'm a very open person in that sense. I'm not afraid of sharing my needs. Um, and interestingly enough, I did that on a stage while I was on the job hunt. Um, and I had the same fears of repercussions as everybody else in that sense. But on the other hand, I feel like it's good to set an example and to be vocal about um, that you can have a chronic illness, but you can can also want to be a high performer, right? And also be a high performer at the end of the day. And for me, I do this usually in stages. So I don't come into a company and then announce this is what I have and this is what I live with. But I put my trust into, let's say, a, um, a small circle of colleagues first. And then uh, bit by bit, I share more about my needs uh, as I go. And um, I did that with my teams as well. So I have what I call a people manual. And uh, this basically is a, a small document that describes your characteristics, um, what you expect from others, for example, communication and interaction. But you can also use it to describe your needs in the sense of health and well-being. And this is what I did. And this makes sharing much, much easier because instead of talking one to one with every person, you can actually refer to that document. And it also takes away the pressure of having to talk about it um, with a lot of people. You can just have that written text and then base a lot of your um, discussions on that as well. And this is what I encourage in my teams as well. And for me, uh, what you mentioned, the psychological safety is very important. So first of all, it's confidentiality. 
is is crucial here when a direct report comes to you and they talk about that they have a chronic illness or disability but they don't wish to share it with someone else it's very very important to respect that but to at the same time encourage them to keep an open mind and to also give people on the team a chance to um, share that with them, to exchange with them on that, and to find understanding. And also, as I said, a culture of appreciation and feedback. Obviously, this is in every team, wherever you look, this is a process, right? Um, you often don't have psychological safety overnight. But to be able to uh, give feedback, um, receive feedback, uh, to be able to uh, exchange with people on an eye level. That all enables people who live with a chronic illness basically along the way. And uh, uh, also the sense of a culture of appreciation. So if somebody did something great, mention that, underline that. Um, and that, then over time, you have um, a, a team where you are bold enough to be able to, for example, talk about failure. And, and in that sense, to talk about things that are being seen as a defect in society, often enough that still happens. And that way you can uh, basically remove the stigma that uh, we still have established in our society and people open up that bucket. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you brought, that, brought up that point because it's not just being accepted by your manager or the, t um, or the person whom you report into, it's also being accepted by your peers and your co um, your colleagues right and your co-workers and you want that acceptance and that appreciation to come for, from everybody so that building that culture of appreciation and driving that inclusion is really important um, so francisca i know you're working on great things uh, would you like to share with our audience what's next for francisca <laughs> uh, actually, there's a lot on the agenda, um, so I'll just uh, share a bit, but yeah, basically I want to continue my advocacy for people with chronic illnesses and disabilities. For me, that is super, super crucial and that uh, can involve being on a stage and talking about that, but also do doing that on a smaller scale, for example, in, at my workplace. And then I also, um, I'm also freelancing on the side a little bit. Um, so I'm uh, offering services in DevRel, for example, and currently I am compiling statistics on um, developers in Germany. So I have a, a presentation on developer insights. So um, usually these days you can find me knee deep in the statistics and numbers. So those are some of the points that, are, that will be coming up over the next and months and I'm very much looking forward to 2020 and exchanging with the community with peers on all matters DevRel people management and of course advocacy for chronic illnesses and disabilities well I'm so excited for you and I can't wait for you and your team to attend our upcoming EVAO summit thanks for being on the show Francisca and sharing your thoughts with the EVAO family and today's Thank and today's resource for you is the link to the EVA Virtual Summit. The link is in the show notes, so make sure to check it out. Thank you for joining me today, and thank you for loving, liking, supporting, and sharing the podcast. Remember, sharing is caring. I love your feedback, emails, and messages, so please keep them coming. I look forward to seeing you away in our, uh, seeing you again in our next podcast. Till then, please stay safe and keep empowering the world.